And when I came in today, we talked about interceding for others. And both Sean and Brother Doug said simultaneously, isn't it good to know that God is praying for us, that Christ himself is praying for us. As wonderful as it is to pray for one another, as powerful and that that is. The Bible said that Christ himself makes intercession for us. He is the first and greatest of all intercessors that there ever was and ever could be. On the cross, he is crying, Father, forgive them. He's interceding in agony and pain, suffering and death. Jesus is interceding on the cross. Praise God. And, and because of his heart of compassion, his heart of love, the thief recognized that and said, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus, instead of looking away from him and said, you should have thought of that before you did the deed that you did. You're right. I've done nothing wrong. I shouldn't be punished, but you certainly should. He said, today you will be with me in paradise. Praise God. That's what he came to do. That's what he came to accomplish. So I want to talk to you just a few minutes about the present priestly ministry of Jesus sustained by his intercession. Listen to it. You've heard this before. You may have heard me say this before, but God wants us to reiterate it again this morning. If you are walking in victory, if you're saved today, before we even get to the victory part of your life, if you've come to know Christ as your Savior, it's because Jesus, as your high priest, has presented the blood in the tabernacle in heaven. Remember when they came to Jesus and, and said to him, the, 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 the ladies that came, Mary Magdalene loved him so much. Mary, his mother, loved him so much. And, and he, she grabbed a hold of his garment and he said, touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my father. And some scholars believe that in that glorified body that it, there was a holy sense here and she couldn't, shouldn't touch him. But it was her clinging. She didn't want to turn him loose. And he said, I got, I, this, I'm, I'm raised from the dead to continue a ministry. I have something to do in the presence of the Father. It wasn't enough for the blood to be shed in the old covenant as a type of Christ. It had to be presented to the Lord, amen, by the priest. The priest took the blood of that sacrifice animal and sprinkled it on the mercy seat behind the veil. Amen. Jesus takes his own blood as our high priest. He became our sacrifice lamb and our great high priest priest and he presents his wounds and his very blood in the presence of God in our behalf. You're saved today because of the, not only the sacrificial blood that was shed, but the priestly intercession that happened when Jesus stood between God's wrath and us and reconciled us to God. Hallelujah. Let me read this to you. Luke 22 uh, verse uh, 31 and 32. It said, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, speaking of Peter, behold, Satan had desired to have you that he may sift you as the wheat, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail 
not. Now, when Jesus prays, he prays in perfect faith. He didn't say, I'm going to do all the praying. You don't have to do anything. He said, I'm praying that your faith will not fail. When the enemy tries to discourage you, when he tries to defraud you, deceive you, I I pray that your faith will fail not. And if you make it through, uh, then, no, he said, and when thou art converted, when you overcome, when you become another man through my intercession for you and the operation of faith within you, Praise God. You know why I have faith today to believe God when things are going wrong and when things go against the grain and when it looks like there's no way out? Because I know that Jesus is praying for me. And I thank God for people's prayers. I tell you, there are days when I just get a lift from somewhere and I thought that didn't come from myself. Somebody's praying for me. Someone's interceding for me. How many had a praying mama? How many had a praying friend? How many, how many believe that somebody somewhere prayed for you? Amen. And that's why you came to know Jesus as your Savior. Can you say amen? It's all because of intercession, standing in the gap. God looks for that intercessor. God responds to an intercessor because God responds to intercession. He said before judgment came on the land, he said, and I look for a man among them. I look for a man among them. Isn't it amazing that the God of glory, the sovereign God of the universe, had a will for his people, but he needed a man to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. And I found none. Therefore, I brought judgment. I looked for someone to intercede, but I didn't find anyone to intercede. Therefore, I brought judgment. And that tells me that if someone had have interceded, mercy and grace would have flowed from the throne of God instead of the judgment that came in the land. I looked for a man among them to stand in the gap. You know, the Bible said that sin creates a gap, a great chasm between us and God. The scripture said, my ear is not deaf that it can't hear my hand is not short that it cannot save but your sin has separated here's the gap someone an intercessor can stand in the gap you can stand in the gap for your crazy kids you not you you folks well just a little crazy sometimes okay amen you can well they are they go nuts i went nuts How many went nuts when you were growing up? You went through a... (laughs) I mean, a real Looney Tune, right? That was your cell phone. uh, When your cell phone rang, it went da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Amen. But when you came to the Lord, that all began to change. You began to grow in grace and grow in mercy and grow in knowledge and grow in understanding. When I was a child... I spake as a child, and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, spiritually speaking, I put away childish things. Praise God. All right. When when he interceded for Peter, we sometimes are guilty of just putting Peter as the one that experienced this personal intercession of Jesus. 
And the scripture is so clear. The phrase, have you here, Satan desired to have you, is plural. Literally, to have all of you, not all of Peter, but all of the disciples, not just Peter. So, Jesus is saying, Peter, this is not just about you. This is about every child of God, every disciple of mine. How many know the thief is like a roaring lion, the scripture said, who walks about. Roaring lion means he's hungry. He's roaring. When feeding time would come in the zoos, then you want to hear that cacophony of sound of those lions with that guttural roar because they know it's feeding time. I'm going to tell you, I got a doggy that knows when it's feeding time. So if you want to watch something interesting on television while you're eating a sandwich, uh, it would behoove you to feed the dog first because he's going to stand and look at you and bark. Look, and you know what he'll do? He'll look at his, he'll look at his food dish and then look at you. And then if you don't respond, he'll bark and bark and bark and bark. So the best thing you can do is just go ahead and feed the doggy. Satan is like a roaring lion, hungry, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith. See, that's what Jesus prayed for, that your faith wouldn't fail. We still fight the good fight of faith, but we fight it with an understanding that because God is behind us and Jesus has went before us and God is for us and not against us, that the battle as far as God is concerned is already won. So that's why Jesus said, Satan hath desired to have all of you that he may sift all of you as the wheat, but I prayed for all of you that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, not if you are converted, but when you become someone different than this faltering, failing, vacillating man, and didn't he, because of Christ's intercession and his faith not failing, become that mighty, mighty apostle, hallelujah, that he become. We used to attribute that only to the power of the Holy Spirit, not unto the person who was praying for him. And we got a lot of people filled with power, but not looking to and depending on the person that is making all the difference in their life. Can you say, man, the Bible says looking to power within. No, looking to Jesus. Hallelujah. Who is the author and the finisher of your faith? Can you say, man, if your faith doesn't fail, then God is going to be able to move in your behalf because as your faith be, so be it unto you. Can you say, man? So the devil will attack you and he wants to destroy you. If he could, he would. Hallelujah. I've often said it down through the years. The fact that I'm still in ministry today is because of Jesus' intercession. When I fall down, he stands up. The first martyr that was killed for the sake of the gospel, what did he, where was Jesus? The Bible said Jesus is seated until his enemies become his footstool. His, he's finished that work on the cross. He's done everything he needs to do as far as our salvation, uh, positionally has occurred. But when the first Christian was being stoned, 
he looked up to heaven and said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of power. What is he doing? What did he stand up to do? Did he stand just to honor the faithfulness of his servant? Or did he stand to intercede for that servant because of what he was facing down here? I believe he stood to intercede because the Bible calls him a great high priest that is passed into heavens, whoever lives to make intercession for us. Amen. The Bible speaks of being saved by his life. We know it was his death that brought reconciliation, but he was raised for our justification. Can you say man? Hallelujah. And he was raised to become an everlasting. Every priest would die and a new generation would come along and a new one would have to be appointed and anointed until Jesus come. And he became the last ever priest to intercede. We don't need another priesthood because our high priest lives forever and ever lives to intercede. Can you say man? Hallelujah. I'm so glad to know that when I fall down, he stands up that he doesn't say, if you can't run with the big dogs, stay off, stay on the porch that he doesn't say, if you can't take the heat, stay out of the kitchen that he says, Satan has desired to have you. He wants to destroy you. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. Doesn't mean because he's praying for me, I don't have any fighting to do. But I fight the good fight of faith. And it begins with the fact that God himself in Jesus Christ is interceding for me. I like the t-shirt that said, Lord, there's nothing that I'm going to face today. That you and I together cannot handle. Can you say man? How many know that if God is for us. Who can be against us? And if you doubt that God is for you. Just get in the book of Hebrews. And see the priest's present day. Happening right here. Right now. Ministry of Jesus. If you're growing cold in your heart. God's not shoving you away. He's interceding for you. He's praying to the father in your behalf. Can you say man? Hallelujah. If you're facing difficulty, if you become depressed and, and you can't enter in and worship God, I want you to know that he cares about you. He's not going to draw back from you. He's going to draw you back to him. He wants you to not give in and not give up and not get discouraged, not get distracted or dissuaded or defrauded of what is yours in Jesus Christ. He ever lives. And the Bible said, therefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost, which means the, you can't get any more saved than you are when you come to Christ as your Savior and he becomes your high priest and intercessor. You can't have any more security than that gives you as long as you keep your trust in him. Can you say, man, he's able to save them to the uttermost that comes to, to Christ, to God through him, seeing that he ever lives to make intercession for them. Have you ever felt like you blew it, you flubbed up, you failed God to the point that he probably doesn't, not only doesn't love you, he don't even like you. Amen. Have you ever felt that way? How could he, how could you, you know, Satan loves that. He loves you to get that image of God. I had a pastor 
He was pastor of the church where I was healed of leukemia. I honored him. I looked up to him. I listened to him on the radio on Saturday morning. His broadcast came on. I listened to Oral Roberts on radio. I listened to Joe Woodward on radio. When he died, I, I, I put in one of those things that on his, you know, the website at the funeral home. I said, I'm one of those people that his life touched. And I am a preacher of the gospel today. And at that time, celebrating over four decades uh, preaching the gospel. And I was saved and healed of leukemia under that ministry. Praise God. And I'll never forget my pastor. He went off the rails. He messed up really bad. And he thought God didn't love him anymore. He quit the ministry. He, he went and became a manager of a, of one Rexall drug store. He, he was, he, the last time he, I saw him, he was smoking a big black cigar. And to see my pastor that, that moved under the anointing and operated in the presence of God drifted that far away from God. I, I couldn't believe it. And he came to our church and he gave a testimony. He came back to the Lord, all the way back to the Lord and was restored. And he said, I got an image of God that was wrong when I was very, very young. He said, I opened the family Bible that has all those pictures and paintings and drawings in it. He said, I opened it to Genesis and there was a picture of a hate just almost hateful looking, well, he was hateful looking God driving Adam and Eve out of the garden. He said, well, that was my first exposure to the God of glory. He said, I thought Jesus was really compassionate and loving, but God, the father was a, was a hard, harsh judge. And I thought when I failed him, that he couldn't possibly love me. He couldn't possibly restore me. And you see, the devil wants that. He wants people to give in, give up, and go all the way back. And I've seen that happen. I've seen people that didn't understand the power of God's grace, the person of God himself. This man preached for years, and he was a Pentecostal power preacher, but he didn't know the person and he ran from him instead of running to him. I said he ran from him instead of running to him. I know a preacher that lived a sanctified life for years. And he went off the rails and decided, God doesn't love me. God doesn't want me. There's no hope for me. So why not just go headlong into sin? And honey, what a terrible lying deception that is. Because he actually died before his time. His, I can't give you the whole scenario, but I watched it and it tore me apart to see it. Because he, and he was a power preacher. He spoke in tongues. He knew about the anointing and, and it made it even worse for him. How could God love me when I have messed up so bad? You see, that's the problem. He didn't know the person. He didn't know the person. Brother Joe Woodward said, I thought this God can't love me. This God that drove them that he got that image of. I'm going to tell you what God did. Yes, he had to judge the sin. But I want you to know that he came looking for them. He didn't withdraw from them. He went looking for them. 
they recognized they were naked. The first blood that was shed on this planet was shed by God slaying an animal to bring an animal skin to cover their shame and their nakedness in his presence. He kept loving them. He never stopped loving his creation. Can you say man? Some of you got the wrong image of God in the beginning. When you foul up, you say, I might as well to keep on fouling up because he ain't going to help me. Yes, he will. Because when you fall down, Jesus stands up. I said, when you fall down, Jesus stands up. Oh, listen, there's a scripture that says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless. Honey, I'm going to tell you something. Only Jesus can present you faultless before God. You cannot present yourself. We in the Pentecostal movement, many of us thought that we could. And they, they, they were the biggest flub of, of all because they got away from the grace and the mercy and the person. And they got focused just on the power. And the Bible said we are kept by the power of God. And we are. God is powerful. But it is a person who saved you. It is a person who loved you enough to send him to save you. It is a person who died for you. It is a person that rose for your justification. It is a person that is standing in the presence of God to intercede for you today and, and to present his own blood to the Father in your behalf. Hallelujah. There are times when people will fail you. Isn't it easy when somebody says, I'll be praying for you. They'll probably go home and forget about it. Unless they really care about you deeply to really intercede for you. When I was praying for Sherry this week because I was sick. When you're sick and you hear about somebody sick. and I remember I was walking across the floor to do something in the little studio that I had about bringing, you know, the the next Bible study, and I was just walking through the room, and all of a sudden, I just got weak and felt faint. I walked over by a little couch thing I have in there, and I just fell over on it. And I thought, Lord, this is, this is some bad stuff. Amen. When, when you can't stand up and you feel faint, and, and, and I just had to lay there a little while, and I just had to release my faith in his goodness and his grace and his mercy i couldn't stand up and just rebuke the devil because this wasn't the devil this was a cold amen amen how many know the devil is not doing everything but he will utilize any time that you're weak and you feel awful and prayer is an answer just like that to create doubt and above all he's going to tell you something if God loved you. He wouldn't let this. He's not letting. Sin has brought this. Satan has brought this. A faulty body is going to stay faulty until it's changed. God's not going to put you in a bubble. You can't live in a vacuum. Amen. You live in a faulty body. Amen. Everybody's got one. Old Roberts was supposed to teach at a convention that I went to in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. He didn't show up because he had the flu. 
Or Roberts, who's known for laying hands on the sick, has a faulty body. Someone said, would you let someone wearing glasses pray for your eyes? Absolutely. They live in a faulty body. You want to be Superman? Superman don't get no grace. Can you say amen? Remember the story of Muhammad Ali? Have you heard that story of Muhammad Ali? On the way to Manila, Philippines, to fight a heavyweight championship fight called the Thriller in Manila. Muhammad Ali sitting on that plane headed for the Philippines. 92-pound stewardess, little Filipino girl. As they're getting ready to take off, there's a ding. There's a sign that says, fasten your seatbelts. She walks by looking to see that everybody's buckled up, and he's not buckled up. She says, stopped, looked back, and said, time to buckle up, champ. He said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she said, Superman don't need no airplane either. Can you say, man, so the champ buckled up. Listen, there are no supermen, superwomen. That's a myth. But there is a faithful father who said, call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and thou shalt glorify me. Psalm 50 and verse 15. Jeremiah 33 and 3. Praise God, call on me, and I will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Hallelujah. Early on in Scripture, it said, and men began to call upon the Lord. Praise God. He said, he said I'm not like the gods that man have made. I'm the God that made man. Hallelujah. They have eyes that see not. They're man-made gods. Ears that hear not, and hands and arms that can't reach and touch and help you. But the scripture said the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. His ears are open to their cry. And he said to ancient Israel, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And he keeps saying to them, because of that, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Hallelujah. Glory to God. One translation renders it this way in the Amplified Greek. Simon, Simon Peter, listen. Satan has asked excessively that all of you be given up to him. Put out of the power and keeping of God. That he might sift all of you like grain. But I've prayed, especially for you, Peter, that your own faith may not fail. And when you yourself have turned again, strengthen and establish your brethren. I particularly like the term that the devil wants to take us out of the power and keeping of God. Amen. Why do you like that term? Because it's the most ridiculous thing that he could ever imagine. The Bible said, my father that gave me them, he's greater than, than them all. And no man, and that includes devils, demons, minions, angels, fallen angels, circumstances, powers, principalities, shall ever pluck them out of, out of my Father's hand. For the Father that gave them me is greater than them all. Can you say, man? Everybody say saved and kept. Amen. Saved and kept. 
Hallelujah. Listen to me carefully today. The devil would do it if he could, but Jesus is interceding. Jesus is interceding. I particularly like the term, amen, that I will never leave you. No, never, 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 never forsake you. Can a mother forsake her suckling child, forget her suckling child? Yes, you may. I will never forget you, O house of Israel. Satan, our great enemy, seeks permission to destroy us. But that permission is denied because of a great high priest stands in God's presence to intercede for us. Satan, the accuser, points out our faults and failures and sins. He declares before the high court of heaven that not one of us is sinless. Our great high priest stands up in our behalf. He intercedes and he interposes his blood and his wounds in our defense. Wow. Pleading the blood of Jesus is a strong biblical Phrase. It's not a scripture, but it is biblical. Now is the accuser of our brethren cast down that accused them before God day and night, and they overcame him. Here's the element by the blood of Jesus and the word of their testimony and the devotion that was given because they appreciate, amen, how their salvation came. They loved not their lives even unto the death. I like what C.H. Spurgeon said in closing. He said, how encouraging is the thought of the Redeemer's never ceasing intercession. When we pray, he pleads for us. And when we are not praying, he is advocating our cause. And by his supplication, shielding us from unseen dangers. When we reach the hilltops of heaven and look back on all the way whereby our Lord hath led us, how we shall praise him who before his eternal throne undid the mischief which Satan was doing upon earth. How shall we thank him because he never held his peace, but day and night pointed to the wounds upon his hands and carried our names upon his breastplate. Even before Satan had begun to tempt, Jesus had forestalled him and entered into a plea in heaven. Mercy outruns malice. Here is a matter of joy, gratitude, hope, and confidence. Hallelujah. The Lord alone is our anchor. The great missionary to China, Hudson Taylor, once said, I have failed. I am failing. I will fail. But Jesus never fails. So I shall stand back up and I shall finish my course. Can you say man? Hallelujah. That's Christian victory. No supermen, no superwomen, but a faithful father and a high priest who ever lives to make intercession. Does it help at all today to know that Jesus is praying in perfect faith. Holy Spirit, same thing. He makes intercession for us with groanings, things that cannot be uttered, but yet we know it's the Spirit of God interceding for each of us. Building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. 
Hallelujah. That's letting the Holy Spirit intercede. It's not just praying in some powerful faith tongue. It's allowing the Holy Spirit to intercede. When God said, my grace is sufficient for you, it's talking about this person, this presence, this one who stands in your behalf. The understanding of grace is, is just an explanation and a definition, and that won't help you. I mean, if you're really under the gun and you're in trouble, just be able to recite uh, grace is G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense, it's unmerited favor. That's great to know. But grace allows for a person to manifest himself to you. The veil wasn't just rent so we could go behind it. The veil was rent so God could come from behind it. So he could literally come to us. Hallelujah. And manifest his presence to us and in us. I've been serving the Lord for all of these years. And sometimes people look at me and, and, and put me on some kind of pedestal. I remember Bob Pogue years and years ago. They were at a funeral and he, he was standing with my wife after the funeral and Carol and, and when I came out from the funeral, I had been through a lot of things, and they knew some of the trials and tests that we had been through. That was early in our ministry, but the trials and tests were already coming hot and heavy. And when I came walking out and he heard the sermon, the funeral sermon, and there was victory, he said, there comes a mighty strong man, and he got it dead wrong. What he saw as a mighty strong man was a man who said with Paul of old, by the grace of God, if you see strength, it's because of grace. It's because of a person who stands up when I fall down. It's because of the one who is called alongside the Holy Spirit. Come on. He's called alongside for one exclusive purpose in your life, to help. Can you say, man, I won't leave you orphanous. I won't leave you comfortless. I will send you another comforter called the Holy Spirit. When he said another comforter, you know what it was? Another just like myself. That's why the Bible said when he comes, he will testify of me. He will communicate and mediate my very presence with you. I'm going to keep my promise to be with you because the Holy Spirit's going to come and manifest my presence to you. Wow. So we've got Jesus interceding. We've got God the Father accepting His blood sacrifice in our behalf and saying, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. It's not permission. It's not cheap grace. Sin has consequences and we've seen them. But I remember when my pastor came back to God. I remember when he came to our church and gave his testimony. When he got to see some of the fruit of his labors before he went off the rails and know that you, you, there's a lot of things that, that you can't change about your legacy, but, you, you, but there's some things that the devil can't change about your legacy. And I'm one of those people. 
I'm one of those people that got saved under your ministry before you went off the rails. And that's not undone. That's an ongoing thing. And every soul that comes to Jesus under my ministry, amen, is because you stood faithful at a time in your life and preached the gospel and opened that church for a Holy Ghost revival so that a boy dying of cancer could be healed in it and go on and serve God. Hallelujah. He told me, he said, he said, Brother Bobby, he said, I was sitting at home watching television. I just lit up because he, he got a real taste for big black cigars. <laughs> he said, I just had supper, going to sit there in my easy chair and look at television and smoke my cigar. And he said, suddenly the Lord spoke to me and said, Joe, I love you. Joe. I love you. Joe called him by name and said, I love you. And he said, this can't be God. Because the God that he envisioned, the God, the father that he first began to comprehend was imprinted on him in the family Bible. When people sin, God drives you away from himself. But if he just read Genesis with understanding, he would understand that God came looking for Adam. Did he approve his sin? No. Was there punishment for his sin? Yes. Was he naked and ashamed in the presence of God? Yes. Did God provide a covering for him? Yes. And it began a scarlet thread. Amen. Blood sacrifice to cover our shame all throughout in our sin throughout the Bible. That scarlet thread runs from Genesis to Revelation. Hallelujah. And everywhere you see the blood sacrifice, the innocent suffering for the guilty so the guilty can be forgiven and reconciled. Amen. You see the grace of God. You see the love of God. You see the goodness of God. You see the forgiveness of God. You see a God who is a wonderful, wonderful heavenly father who loved us enough to give his only begotten son. Hallelujah. And it creates the logic of the cross in closing for the fifth time. Amen. If he loved us, Paul said. Romans 8 and verse 32, if he loved us, if he loved us, if he loved us, if he loved us, if he loved us. And my question today is, did he love us that much? If he loved us enough to give us his only begotten son, how will he not? With him freely also give us all things. Hallelujah. The Bible said he would withhold no good thing to them that walk upright before him. The Old Testament says of him, thou openest thine hand and fulfills the desire of every living thing. And that's why the New Testament, Jesus talks about the kingdom and said, listen, Solomon in all his glory was not clothed as one of these lilies of the field. He's showing us the father's love and watch care, protection and provision. He said, they don't toil and spin, but Solomon in all his glory is not clothed as one of these. If God so clothed the lilies of the field, how will he not clothe you? Oh, ye of little faith. God loves you. He's committed to you. He will care for you. Call upon him. Look to him. Never give up on him and never give up on yourself.
Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Don't be like the Gentiles and just seek everything in the world materially to fulfill yourself. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you for the Father knows. When you pray, you're not informing him. You're letting him know that you're looking to him for the, as your source and for the answer. He knows what you have need of. Can you say amen? I'm so glad that Jesus knew what we needed. If we needed, if we needed a financier, he would have sent a financial consultant. But we needed salvation, so God sent a Savior. Amen. If, if we needed just riches and wealth, he would have sent, sent some kind of financial uh, uh, guru to tell us how to just get the wealth of the world. But he knew that will never satisfy. That will never meet the need. We were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold after the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without spot and without blemish. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice. Thank you, Lord, for your salvation. Thank you, Lord, for your resurrection. Thank you, Lord, for your intercession. Thank you, Lord, that we are not of them, therefore, that turn back unto perdition, but we are of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, are you glad you came to church this morning? What are you going to do the next time that you feel depressed? Are you going to wallow in it? Are you going to break that pattern? Are you willing to let God have more influence in your life than your flaky feelings? Yes, I said flaky feelings. We walk by faith. And not by sight. And that's just one, one, one of the five senses that tell you everything about this world materially and physically. But tell you absolutely nothing about God or the kingdom of God or the spiritual realm. To be carnally minded, what happens is death. But to be spiritually aligned is not just life, but life and peace. Can you say amen? I was saying something the other day, and something had occurred to take me back and remind me of some of the trials, tests, and some of the wounds. And my wife said, come on, honey, get up out of that ditch. And I thought, wait a minute. I'm the preacher here. Hey, this don't seem right. Number one, since I'm the preacher here, I'm not supposed to be in the ditch, right? And number two, if I'm the preacher here and recognize I'm in the ditch, then I need to get up out of it. But you know something? Even the preacher, even the preacher can have a bad day. You remember the story of the preacher, preacher's wife, rather. No, I'm not going to tell you that. Time won't permit. I meet with preachers. I have ministered 
by satellite television to ministers in Nigeria, North Africa, live satellite TV to try to encourage them, to pray for them. And the fact that I have 45 years of ministry immediately, I don't have to have some reputation as a mighty evangelist or some gifted faith healer. It's the fact that I'm still in ministry and our marriage is still intact and I'm still giving God the glory for his grace and his mercy that attracts the attention of ministers under the gun and under the pressures. And some of them putting their life on the line for the sake of the gospel to hear of the keeping power of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're kept by the power of God and we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And on top of all of that, Jesus is standing in the presence of God in our behalf. We are not alone in this battle. Praise God. But it's all about a person. And when Joe Woodward, my pastor said, I couldn't hardly receive it. How could he love me after I have failed him so miserably. And the Lord spoke to him again and said, Joe, I said, I love you. And he said, I fell out of my chair onto the floor. I began to weep convulsively. And I said, Lord, if you can love me after I have failed you, then your love is greater than I ever knew and ever believed. And if you want me, I'll serve you with whatever I have to serve you with for the rest of my life. Peter failed. Peter swore with an oath. And when you're thinking of a four-letter word, that's not strong enough. The Bible said we shouldn't swear by God. We shouldn't. He was swearing by Jehovah. He was wanting them to let him alone and not associate him with Jesus. He feared they would do to him what they did to Christ. And, and when they said, your speech betray you, you're one of his followers. He swore with an oath. He swore by Jehovah. I never knew him. And then the accuser that tempted him now accused him. And he went, he, he was self-hating, self-loathing. He went out and wept bitterly. And he was in that condition when Jesus rose from the dead, this self-hatred, self-loathing. And so when Peter enters the room where the disciples were, or the, Mary comes, Jesus had told her, tell the disciples and Peter. The one who was hurting the most. The one who feels like, how could God love me or use me anymore? Make sure he knows that I am alive. I am raised from the dead. And tell him that I sent a message to him personally. Can you, isn't it already interceding for Peter? Can you say, man, you're, you're the one that's shaky. You're the one that said you were so strong, and yet you're the one that's messing up so bad. But I love you. Peter says, okay, that's great. He's alive. He doesn't hate me. 
but he can't use me anymore, so I go fishing. They go out and catch nothing. They come in wore out. He's still dejected, cast down, feeling useless before the Lord. (laughs) And someone's on the bank cooking fish for them. Very practical. They haven't caught anything, but somebody's got fish, and they're cooking the fish on the bank, so as soon as they get in, they can have a fish dinner. And they get closer and find out it's Jesus. Cooking fish for these broken, beleaguered, defeated disciples. And he comes before the fire where Jesus is cooking the fish. And he remembers he stood at a fire to warm himself when he denied him. And he looks in the eyes of Jesus and he sees acceptance. And he sees love. And he sees forgiveness. He's already repented in his heart when he wept bitterly. Sometimes it's easier to get God's forgiveness than it is to forgive ourselves. Amen. But listen to what Jesus says. Peter, do you love me more than these? And he said, Lord, you know I love you. Thou knowest all things. He said, Peter, then feed my sheep. What? You still want me to be your servant? You still want to restore me that much to be your servant? After I failed you this bad, you still love me and want me to serve you? Well, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Then feed my sheep. He asked him a third time, Peter, do you love me? And he said, Jesus, you know everything. You look in my heart. No matter what I say, you look in my heart. But you know what? Peter was falling into a deep, devoted love with Jesus because Jesus had loved him unconditionally. And the only thing that would have kept that love from coming was if he did not repent. And when he wept bitterly, he was repenting. His heart was full of repentance. And now his heart was getting filled with love and devotion for the Lord. Go and feed my lambs. Can you say man? Hallelujah. And it set Peter on a course of ministry. And this vacillating, messed up man that could have been discouraged and defrauded from his ministry was now encouraged enough that when he faced martyrdom for the sake of the Lord, his devote love, not his life unto the death. Can you say man? It was so deep. He said, put me on the cross if you, if you must. I'm willing to go to it for my master, but I'm not worthy to be crucified upright like him, not to be associated that directly with him. Crucify me upside down. That is not the scripture, but it is Bible history that has been handed down. One thing is for sure. Peter laid down his life as a martyr for the sake of his sovereign and his savior. I was told all of my life it was just because he got the Holy Ghost and never failed. It was power. No, it was a person that he fell in love with. Can you say man? Somebody say a person that he fell in love with. I've met Pentecostals all over the place that are power centered. Power, power, power. Thank God for the power. But you're not saved by the power. You're kept by the power. You're saved by the person who hung on the cross in your behalf. And in the time of trouble, you look unto a person, not to the power that you have within, but the person who you have with you, who's interceding for you. 
God prayed for me this morning that I'd be able to come down here and preach the gospel if there wasn't but two people in the building. Thank God more than two of you showed up to hear it. Are you glad that you came? If you ever go off the rails, are you going to stay off the rails? Or are you going to run to God and say, Lord, forgive me and help me? Hallelujah. I am not going to let the devil sift me as the wheat because I know you are in my corner and you are praying for me. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Amen. Will you stand to your feet today? Let's give him praise before we go home. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, I thank you and I praise you. Thank you for the offering. Thank you for the goodness of God in this place and in this room today. Hallelujah. I was glad to see my pastor restored. See him come to our church at 10th and Sitka. Hear his testimony of how the love of God brought him back in just like it did Simon Peter. And to hear him, actually, he was trying to purchase some land to put a big old tent on so that he could bring in evangelists just like he used to do when I was healed of leukemia. Thank God. Amen. I don't know how far all of that went or didn't go, but I know one thing. He died back on his feet, back on the field for God. Hallelujah. And I'm so glad that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and he will be forever. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Let's sing this song in closing today. Amen. God is good today. I want, I want Brother Sean to dismiss us in a closing prayer today. And I want you to stretch your hand toward him before he prays a dismissal prayer today. There is a strong anointing flowing from God's hand and his heart that we might be his witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the world. I'm going to need people. If the vision that he's given me, if I follow through, God is, I, I want to be able to say, Sean, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. In spite of the setbacks and circumstances and discouragements, the hurts, the pain, the scars, God is faithful. And oil and wine has been liberally poured in every wound of my life. And the scars that I bear, the marks that I bear, hallelujah, amen, prove that a healing has occurred. There's a scar on my wife because they opened her up to go in and fix a heart that was ready to fail at any moment. 
But God has stepped in, and the scar means that God has interceded, and God has intervened. Praise God. So it's not a scar to mar her beauty. It's a scar to declare God's faithfulness. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, I need every one of my brethren. You need everyone that names the name of Jesus to be involved in this let's day outpouring that we might be your witnesses in Judea, Samaria and the uttermost part of the world. Lord, we maintain and sustain our testimony. We will not allow the devil to stop us from being all that you have purposed that we shall be. We love you and we want to feed your lambs. We want to feed your sheep and we want to shout it from the house tops that the good news of what Jesus has done in behalf of a fallen world. Amen. Brother John, we love you, buddy. I love you too, brother. Hallelujah. God is good. Yes, God is, is good. God is good. Hallelujah. Father, we, we thank you for this word that you gave us today, Father. And as, as we go out, let us go out as your witnesses, Father, yes, Father. full of faith, yes. full of full of mercy, full of love, the love of God, Father. I, I was in work this week, and I was talking to a young man, and we, I was talking about how I was raised in a church where I've seen demons cast out, and I was raised in a church where I saw healings took place, and I just want to encourage you, because if it hadn't been for you opening the doors and you staying steadfast, I would have never seen those type of things. But Jesus is the same, and I told him that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he doesn't change. Churches more popular than ever before. You've got churches everywhere. This is to say I am not the Lord. I believe we're going to see tents come back into the scene because because churches are everywhere people go to church they go to buildings but you don't see the manifestation of the presence of god you you see a performance and you see a choir perform but you don't have that presence of god that touches and changes the hearts and the lives of the people And, and that's what we need to see in this day and age and in america and in the body of christ we need to see the presence and the power of god when peter preached it pricked the hearts of the people and and that's what we need to see in this day in time and and jesus said something else too we're living in the last days and we know that we're living in the last days but these kind goeth not out but by prayer and by fasting and and we see more feasting than we see fasting in church let's let's become a church that fast more and i'm not i'm not getting on the 21 day fast as other churches please don't misunderstand me this is just a biblical principle that god put in place for us to do and as we begin to fast together pick a monday skip a lunch pick a tuesday skip a dinner skip a skip a coffee break skip a tv show whatever it is i believe god will honor and and as and as as we begin to do it god will begin to open doors you know i don't believe our door has been shut or we wouldn't be in in hilton garden the door is still open so the door is still open so we just need to believe my brothers and sisters like we never i've got some decisions to make they're not going to be easy decisions they're not going to be comfortable decisions, but I personally have decisions to make in my own life. Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. So all you people who don't want to suffer, get over it. Because we're, because we're going to suffer if we want to walk with Jesus and we want to do what his word says to do. And we want to be obedient to his word. We're going to suffer some things. That's just part of being a Christian. 
We, we can't just not be a Christian and think we're not going to suffer. That's unbiblical. I know there are teachers and preachers and prophets teaching that, but I'm going to tell you by the word and the authority of God, it's unbiblical. We're going to suffer. So I've got some decisions to make and things God's put on my heart. I've known for a long time I'm not always going to be a Publix. I've known that for a long time. I just want to know the timing of God. See, when God sent forth His Son to be virgin of vermin, there was a timing involved. There's a timing for everything. There's a time to be born. There's a time to laugh. There's a time to cry. There's a time for everything. So, so I'm in a little humble home. I'm in a little humble trailer. But God visits me when I bow down to Him. And I'm going to tell you something. Even though I've had to work, when you, when you bow down to Jesus and you, you sit back in a chair and you, you listen to a worship song and you just bow down to Jesus, yes. He's going to visit you. Yes, He will. He's, he's an omnipresent God. He doesn't change. Yes. So I just want to encourage you, God's got an open door for this ministry. God's got an open door for us. He's not done because we're still here. Yes. Oh, the devil wishes we weren't here. That's right. But we're still here. Yes, we are. So, Father, I want to thank you for this word. I want to thank you for our pastor. Thank you. Father God, y'all just stretch your hand this way Thank you. to our pastor. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Father, I thank you for our pastor. Father God, I pray that you strengthen him with all might in the inward man. I pray that you renew his strength day by day. Because, Father, we can't do it without your grace. We can't do it without your mercy. We can't do it without the helping grace and mercy and power of our God, Father. Father, we thank you that you have power, but you are love, Father. We, Father, I thank you that your love works with your power. And your power works with your love. Because you are love, but you hold all power, Father. And, Lord, I thank you and praise you for touching this man and strengthening this man. Father, I pray that the vision becomes clear and clear and father i thank you for leading him and guiding him to everywhere he needs to go where you lead us and you guide us and you show us exactly what door to walk through we thank you for the closed doors because that means there's a door fixing to open real soon father and lord i thank you and i praise you for that father touch my brothers and sisters in the audience as we go your way have your way in our hearts and our lives father in jesus name Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Shake hands with somebody and say, that was a good prayer. Amen. Will you do that? God is blessing you here today. Hallelujah. Thank you for praying for me and with me. And, and let's see where the Lord takes us as a body today. Come every chance that you get, and God will bless you for it. Hallelujah.